And this series is about what the church, according to the book of Acts, tells us. We want to know what the church can be and should be, and we're going to talk about that today. Now, I know that the goal for us is to find out what the church can be and should be, but it has a purpose. It's because it's going to give us an idea and an understanding of our role that we need to play as individuals in the church's ministry, okay? We're not just going to give you some information. Information without transformation is no good, okay? We don't need more information in the world. We need transformation. So we want to see our lives transformed. We want to be a transformed church, seeing other lives transformed. Amen? Amen. Um, I believe that uh, we can achieve this by experiencing an, an empowered and unstoppable force called the church that Jesus Christ has given us the ability to be part of. And this is important because in a, in a time in our society when maybe society wants to put their thumb on the church and say how irrelevant or say other things negatively. I'd, I'm not here to preach negative against the church. I'm here to just simply say, this is who we've been called to be, who we can be, and who we should be. And we're going to jump into that river, okay? Now, for us to be able to do that, we're going to have to be able to receive some, some further instruction, maybe beyond what we're able to conceive, what we're able to construct in our own Minds, we're able to wrap our, our minds around. And potentially, not in all cases, but in order for us to achieve this, we're going to have to press into a little bit of discomfort. Now, I like comfort. Anyone here like comfort? I love comfort. I love comfort foods. I like a comfortable chair. I just like to be comfortable. So I, I will fight change in my life to stay comfortable. Can anyone relate? This is actually, I think, just part of human nature. Sometimes we just, we, we, we need to be inspired a little bit. And so we have to fight the urge because we like our comfort. We have to fight the urge to censor what scripture is telling us as we go through the book of Acts. Just the simple story of the church, the simple story of what Jesus is, is giving us instruction for. We have to fight the urge to censor it so that we can actually receive it in an uncensored fashion. We have to be able to receive what we're going to go through in the Holy Bible, in the series called Uncensored, as we talk about the church according to the book of Acts. We have to remain uncensored. Now, today we're going to discuss three things to help us in this pursuit of receiving further information. We need to know what the assignment is, but we need to understand a couple things first. So that we know who the church can and should be. Number one, uh, the transformation matters. Number two, that everything matters. And number three, that instruction matters. I'm going to read a passage starting out in Acts chapter 1 verse 1. Because we're in the book of Acts to talk about what the church can and should be. So let's start there. And as I read this, I'm going to pause every once in a while just to give us some fundamentals, some understanding, some foundation on what we're reading here, okay? So it says in verse 1 of Acts 1, in my first book, let's stop for a second, in my first book, who is writing this? Who's saying this in my first book? His name is Luke, okay? He said in my first book, what was his first book? Guess what Luke's first book was? Luke. So this guy Luke wrote a book called the Gospel of Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, okay? So he wrote Luke. So it's this guy Luke. He's writing a letter 
and he's writing it to someone. Listen, in my first book, I told you Theophilus. So Theophilus is the person he's writing it to. And he says, I, I told you, Theophilus, about everything. Can you please just say for me out loud, say everything? We're not going to talk about something. We're not going to talk about a few things. We're not going to talk about just the things we like, the things that make us comfortable, the things we're able to fully understand. Like Luke, we want to know about everything. So can you say again today, everything? Okay, I want everything that God has for me in my life. Do you want everything that God has for you? Or you just want some things? Are you a something or are you an everything person? Okay, so we're, now we're on the same page. We want everything. Luke is here to deliver, okay? He says, I'm going to tell you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instruction through what? The Holy Spirit. Now, I also want you to know that Luke is writing to Theophilus to tell him about the things that Jesus began to do and teach and how he began giving instruction to his apostles through further instruction of the Holy Spirit. But also this applies to us, that when we sit and we say, hey, I, I'm, do, I'm doing my part to be a follower of Jesus, we are now included in this. We can receive further instruction through what's written and the power of the Holy Spirit. It says, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he, meaning Jesus, appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. That my hope and prayer in this series is that from time to time, Jesus is going to show up and he's going to prove to us time and time again that he is alive and well. He wasn't alive at the point that the story was depicted, that the history was given, but he's alive and well today. That Jesus is still with his father. He is still like ruler and reigns over all things. He is still going to return and he is still the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is still our savior. He is still the one who gives us authority to say in his name. He is still the only one that could have done what he did. He is still alive. Although we're experiencing things that maybe in our momentary existence that may seem like they're dying or we're struggling with or things are going wrong, Jesus is going to show up from time to time and he's going to prove to us he's alive. That's my prayer that this happens as we go through this series, okay? And it says he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And we're going we're gonna to really dive into the kingdom of God next week because this is important if we're going to understand as a church what we need to be talking about, sometimes we get really good at talking about our kingdoms. But we need to talk about the kingdom of God. And so we're going to talk next week about what that looks like, what the church can and should be when we're preaching the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Pat or the kingdom of the movement. Okay? So th 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 this is important because we need to know what the church can and should be. Now the purpose of this book was Luke just wanted to continue telling the story. He said, listen, I'm going to tell you about Jesus' life, his ministry, what he began to do and teach, but now I want it to continue. So he wrote the book of Acts. I love also that the book of Acts at times in certain translations and certain writings is referred to uh, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. The reason why it's referred to that is because right in the very beginning, 
we see the Holy Spirit come into a place of prominence when Jesus makes this statement. Uh, He says, but you will receive, this is Jesus speaking, Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, why do we need to receive power by the Holy Spirit? Why do we need the Holy Spirit to come upon us? He then follows it up and he says, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. This is the fulfillment of what he said to his followers earlier in Matthew when he said, the great, it's called the Great Commission. I want you to go and I want you to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and, t- and tell them my commands, right? And then he, he's saying now, okay, guys, I, I've died. I, I've risen. I'm alive. And you're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit so that you can do what I told you to do previously, We need the power of the Holy Spirit as a church so that we can actually assume the role of who we can and should be. And he he gives this depiction of these concentric circles. He says, you're going to tell people about me everywhere in Jerusalem and throughout Judea and in Samaria and through the ends of the earth. That we're going to start here in this little humble house called the Movement in San Marcos. And it's going to move to North County. And we want people to know in in Southern California. We want people to know in California. We want people to know on the West Coast. We want people to know in America. And we want people to know internationally to the ends of the earth the power of the good news that Jesus Christ was born birthed, he died, and he rose again for you and I to join him in this powerful journey. That's the goal. We have a team in Oaxaca right now. I love what's happening in Oaxaca. I love the fact that we're getting reports back of people being prayed for who walk in that are having trouble, literally having trouble walking on crutches. They're getting healed miraculously and walking out. People that are coming in, getting prayer with with narcotics in their hand. And God is delivering people. That people are making decisions. This is the power of what I see our church, what I see the church being. It's what we can and we should be. And it's not just happening in San Marcos. It's happening across borders. It's happening in another country. That's a win. So Luke is telling this story about believers being empowered. He gives us the history about being empowered and anointed by the Holy Spirit and becoming this continuing vehicle. Literally, we become the vehicle as the church, as Christ's body. And it's, it's where the message and the story of redemption and restoration happens. So it begins as God's role. It was birthed and extended through Jesus Christ. Now it's being transmitted through Christ to us, the church. I love in Ephesians 1.23, it says, and the church is his body. Whose body? Christ's body. I love Jesus. I just don't love the church. Impossible statement. I just want, listen, and you may have heard that before, but there's just so much truth to this statement. Why? Because it says right here, it says, and the church is his body. Like, if I don't love the church, if I don't like the church, but I say I love Jesus, there's something, there, there's, there's a disconnect in, in the reality of that. It says, it is made full and complete by Christ. The church is made full. 
and complete by Christ, not by what we are able to do perfectly. Can I tell you right now, I love, I love the vision of a church of people that are a little bit messy, embracing our little bit messiness, but going after Jesus and knowing that it's him and his perfection that fills us and fills this church. He says, who fills all things everywhere with himself. It's Christ that fills all things with himself. So I love as well that this book was written in about 62 AD, but 100% applicable to today. That there's something for us to take away about who the church can and should be. So let's begin with the fact that transformation matters. Acts is about the continuing of what Jesus was doing and teaching. And this is a bit fascinating. If it's about what Jesus was continuing and the continuation of what he was doing and teaching, Luke begins the story by writing it to a person, which makes it personal. And he writes it to this guy, Theophilus. Theophilus is really only named two times in the Bible. Once in Luke, by Luke, and once in Acts, by Luke. And this guy, Theophilus, was thought to be a friend, a pupil, more, more likely, a patron, maybe helped financially take care of getting Luke's message out about what happened with Jesus. And what's also great about this guy, Theophilus, is that he was believed to be Roman, potentially, a person of high rank, esteem, power. So he sat high in the social strata. And, and Romans at that time were pretty hostile to any message about Jesus because the message would have been keen to their ear that Jesus came to establish his kingdom. Because Jesus came saying, my kingdom. He kept talking about his kingdom. And the misunderstanding was, is that, and to a Roman, it would have been, if I believe and I get in line with this Jesus character, he's working in direct opposition and he's, and I'm, I'm hostile and he's hostile toward me because I'm, I'm all about building my own kingdom. And Jesus is saying he wants to bring his kingdom. And so when two kingdoms want the same area, what happens? We have war, okay? This is nothing new. It's happened from the beginning of time. And so Theophilus, his name also means friend of God or loved by God. Why does this matter? Because perhaps in me telling you and giving you an accurate depiction of who this individual Theophilus is and what his name means, that you and I have the ability to see ourselves in some small way in Theophilus. That today that you need to know that God loves you and he is waiting to call you a friend of his. And there's no place in society that you can go, not too high or not too low, that gets outside of the reach of his powerful hand. That when he wants to touch our lives with the gospel, the gospel, that Jesus came, he died, he overcame death, and he now is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he's gonna finish this job. We know the end of the story. This is the good news. That's good news. 
Okay, we're, we're, now we're part of the victory team. We're not part of the victim team. This is good news. Theophilus shows us, hey, if Luke is writing this to him and, and the gospel is transforming his life, then it can transform mine. It can transform my family member who's been struggling with that addiction for years. It, it, it can transform my loved one or my friend that thinks that their bank account tells them that they're secure and that you know their investments and, and everything is good. I, I'm good. Here's the problem. Good is nothing but ordinary. And God wants you to live an extraordinary life. See, the book of Acts is about ordinary people doing extraordinary things as empowered and anointed people in his church. I think sometimes in life what happens is we get a little bit stuck. We're stuck believing the lie of you were made for nothing more than ordinary. I just want to be average. And I, I, I don't have average in me. I look at things and I say, well, who wants to be average? I don't want to be average. Average means that there's more left on the table. God has more for you. He has more for me. He has more for his church. We, we, we get an opportunity to step in as a Theophilus and say, God, my heart is never too far from you. I've never earned enough and I'm not low enough. There's nothing that I can do to outrun your relentless pursuit of me, to be gripped, to be changed and be transformed. This is key, to be transformed by the gospel, the good news that, that your son Jesus has done these things for me. Can someone tell me amen here this morning? I'm just gonna preach to myself here. See, the church can and should be seeing uncensored life transformation of people from all places in society. All places. Number two, everything matters. Luke says, He's sharing with Theophilus about everything, not some things that Jesus was doing and teaching. He said about everything. You know, all the weird things, all the parts in Scripture when Jesus rebuked the Pharisees and even the parts where he took and he said to the blind man, come here, and, and he takes some dirt and he spits in it and makes mud and rubs it in his eyes and says, go wash in the water. And the man can see. That's weird. <laughs> Like, that's the part I would leave out. How about Jesus healed the blind man? Why are you going to talk about the spit and the dirt and the mud and all that stuff? So it gets kind of uncomfortable. God wants to move in really extraordinary ways. That's not ordinary. And Luke says, we got we to know about everything. Why? Because everything matters. The word everything as it's defined right here in this scripture, means the whole or all things. What this means is that Luke is presenting to us an uncensored version of Jesus' life and ministry. And now he's saying, we have been given the uncensored ability to move in extraordinary fashion, empowered by the Spirit of God, to continue now doing the things that Jesus began. But typically this is what ends up happening. We censor things. 
The word uncensored means whole, exhaustive, intact, thorough, full. When, when something is censored, I'm going to define this for you real quickly. The word censor means examine officially and suppress unacceptable parts of it. So here's the problem with that. We censor scripture. Now, when you're an official examiner, part of this is, is that I say, I am now an official examiner of scripture. And scripture is subject to my personal preferences, my criticisms, my comforts, my feelings, and what I think culture can bear today in 2022. And we try to form fit scripture to culture, and culture instead needs to bear witness to the absolute unchanging power of scripture. Are you with me? So we've learned, if we deem something unacceptable, what do we do? Censor it. We redact it. We get the old red pen out. We start striking it. I don't really like this part. I like this part because it talks about the blessings. I don't like this part because it talks about the obedience. There's no, there's no blessing without obedience. So, so this is what it ends up looking like. I told you today we're going to read in the Holy Bible, start a series called Uncensored, and we're going to learn about the church according to the book of Acts. But what we do in life when it comes to Scripture a lot of times is we do this. Well, I don't really like the connotation of the word holy before Bible, so I think I need to get my red pen out. Because I'd rather read the Bible and believe it as just a book, not as anything holy. And now, now it gives me room to change what I need to change. So let's just call it the Bible, not Holy Bible. And I appreciate the fact that we want an uncensored version of what Scripture is telling us. I don't really like that. It makes me a little bit uncomfortable. And the whole un part of uncensored and the un part of uncomfortable, I think needs to be redacted. So we don't want the uns. We say none to the uns. Because we want to censor for our own comfort. And so we need to highlight censorship. Because that's everything. Because I want options. And the church, I'm going to put an asterisk by that. I would rather stand up and talk about how much the church is horrible at their job than be part of fixing it. So I'm going to put an asterisk there. Perhaps God gives us insight to things at times to, to speak prophetically and bring life from the inside rather than throw stones from the outside. Let me say this a different way. When you feel like you have some deep revelation and insight about the church, perhaps God gave it to you so that you could press into the community of church and help be part of what God says it can and should be, rather than removing yourself and saying things like, I love the church. I mean, I love Jesus. I just don't like the church. All right. 
I don't know about acts, because that implies action, which is a verb. And I don't want to verb my faith. I want to sit on my faith. I don't like this word, so I'm just going to get rid of that altogether. Oh, we should church according to the book of sit and do nothing. Why? Because I think a sedentary spiritual life is what I was made for. I think if you just keep feeding me information, spiritual obesity is the goal. To feed me, pastor, I don't like when you challenge me. Because I really love that I can come to a church where I'm not challenged to do anything and I just sit and I can just eat like it's a spiritual buffet. Like hometown buffet of churches. Because it's really, really, just so you know, it's all about me, me, me. This is what the church is about. And I just want to tell you something. I get it. I get that maybe you've seen leaders in my position that make it all about me, me, me. I get it. They're human. That's horrible. But that doesn't say anything about God's church except the fact that he chose messy people who are going to make massive mistakes. Our challenge is to not get the red pen out and begin redacting the things that are going to give us extraordinary power in lives for our own comfort. Are you with me this morning? <laughs> with every stroke of this red pen, what we do is we reduce the extraordinary that God has for his church to the ordinary. We neuter it. Neuter. It's what you do to your dog. And you know what? They no longer have reproductive power. The church can and should have highly potent reproductive power. And with every stroke of this pen, we reduce what God says he wants extraordinary. And at best, we make it ordinary. Are you with me this morning? We have to be careful. Deuteronomy 4.2 says, You shall not add the word which I command, not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it. You may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. We're not going to add to it. We're not going to subtract from it. We're not going to shy away from the weird stuff. The book of Acts, I just want to tell you, has some really interesting stuff. We're going to go through it, and it's, it's like, I, unconceivable. You're right. The human brain, it's hard to wrap your head around when Peter walks in his shadow, gets cast on people, and they begin getting healed. Explain that. I can't explain it. That's why it's extraordinary. That's what I want to see happen, though, in our midst. I want Jesus to show up. I want him to blow our minds. Because we're willing to put the red pen away. We're willing to say, I want uncensored information from you. I want to know, know all of it, and I want to walk in all of it. 
God didn't censor his love, and I don't want to censor my faith. I'm telling you, we have an opportunity to see something powerful happen. When we begin walking as the church can and should be, And we need to do it by presenting an uncensored, whole, full, intact, exhaustive depiction and an account of Scripture. Now, if we don't do that, we start missing out on the whole, entire, exhaustive, and intact life that I believe that God created for the church. We miss out on some key information. So information matters. It says, Luke said, Theophilus, I want you to know about everything that Jesus began to do and teach. I'm gonna focus on these words, do and teach, really quickly. The word teach is simply is, you know, to give instruction. Jesus gave instruction. The, the word instruction is command, to be charged with. So it's not like, mm, I'm going to give you some instruction that, you know, if you choose to, you can kind of do what you want with it. That's what we say to be politically correct. Hey, I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. You choose to do what you want with it. Jesus was like, I'm going to give you instruction. But that word instruction, context for the person hearing it when Jesus was walking the earth was, I'm giving you a command for you to do this. It's actually not optional if you want to be a follower of mine. It's not up to you. <laughs> I don't need your stamp of approval to give power to my authority. Here's my command. If you love me, you'll obey it. That's what scripture says. So to teach is just to give instruction. To do is to be the author of a thing, to compose a narrative. Here's, here's what was happening then. Jesus had began to compose a narrative that Luke told us in his book called Luke. So he begins to compose this narrative that we as the church are part of finishing under the instructive power of the Holy Spirit. We become partners with him. And so it implies action. In John 14, 26, it says, but when the Father sends the advocate, this is, this is Jesus speaking, he says, hey, when the Father sends the advocate, that word is also helper. He says, when the Father sends the helper as my representative, Jesus is saying, as my, as my, I, I'm going to be gone. Like Jesus physically isn't here with us, but he left something for us called the Holy Spirit. He actually said that what I'm going to leave you is better than me being here. Like me being here is a good, he's like, he said to his, his followers, like me being here is a good thing. High five. <laughs> but when I leave, you're going to get something way better. You don't realize it. You can't wrap your brain around it, but trust me. And you're going to need it. And he says, all the things that you saw me do, you're going to do more. I'm going to leave this advocate and this helper, this guide for you, this teacher, this instructor, who's going to give you further instruction as you go. He says, that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. So Jesus wants to do something extraordinary through this church. 
but as his church. I think a lot of times we get really good at saying, God has a plan and a purpose for this church. This church. We get really focused on this church. T-H-I-S. This church. Right here. It's all about us. You know it's one letter away from his church? The bulk of this is his. Like I don't have it in me as a pastor. I just want you to know, here's the disclaimer. If you want really good, soft, fluffy messages that can be sold in the book aisle next to self-help, hey, I'm being real. That you can read, you can come and listen to, and like most self-help books that are selling millions of copies, you know there's millions of copies being sold and read, but why aren't millions of people actually doing those things? We have the same epidemic in church. I want to see an extraordinary, anointed, powerful force of nature called the church take its rightful place to bring transformation because transformation matters. That we can see God move in everything because everything matters. And to give us instruction that we need because we haven't arrived. But I just don't have it in me as a pastor. Like my heart can't take it to just stand up here and give you lots of sunshine and high five you and not challenge you. It's like in my core. (laughs) You know why though? Because when I look at you, church, I believe there's more in you. I believe there's more in Christ's church. I believe there's more in you. Here's the challenge. The challenge in this series is can you take this red pen and can you leave it in the drawer? Can you put it away? Can you say, God, you know, all, 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 all this that I'm after? Today, today, Lord, I'm willing to start here. I'm willing to start with a blank slate. I'm willing to accept the challenge to receiving further instruction through the Holy Spirit as we walk through this together so that we can see the extraordinary things that we were made for 
begin to happen through ordinary people. This, this is what we were made for. If you're willing to accept that challenge with me, would you do me a favor and stand up with me today? I want to pray for everyone who is willing to accept this challenge. This week, I have two things for us. Number one, I want you to ask this question. You're going to start right now by asking this question right now. If you can, just close your eyes. And I want you to just ask this question. And it's a question for yourself Am I really willing? Am I really willing to open my heart to receive further instruction through the Holy Spirit? And then I want you to ask yourself, say, what part of my heart do I feel a need to protect? It's too hard to think about being transformed or changed. And so I fall victim to censoring sometimes. God, I, I, want un, I want an uncensored approach. I want a blank page with you this morning. And that's where we're gonna begin. I'm also gonna ask if you can, if you're willing, this week read through the first chapter of the book of Acts. And as you read it, make notes of what challenges you. Things that make you curious. If you've never read the first book of Acts, it's gonna be awesome. You might have a lot of questions. Maybe God's gonna reveal some things to you for the first time or he wants to. If you've read the book of Acts before, specifically chapter one, you're gonna read it and I'm gonna ask that God begin to reveal things to you that are new, things that you need so that your heart can be prepped and ready to receive what it is that God has for us. If you need prayer this morning, if you need just that gentle touch that we're all a Theophilus, we all are not out of reach of a loving hand of God. If you need prayer this morning, do not leave this place without it. It doesn't matter what's going on. I'm telling you, it's not too far above or below the hand of God. And we believe Prayer makes impossible things possible. And so we, we, wanna, we wanna come alongside you and, and bring those things before the Lord. For the rest of us, as we walk out of here, if you feel comfortable doing so, just open your hands up. God, I just ask right now for just the empowerment 
to begin right now. Just the power of your Holy Spirit would just fall. Lord, in very practical ways, um, in this room, on our hearts, on our minds, on our hands, anoint our feet. Give us the ability to, to put the red pen of redaction aside. To walk into the fullness, the uncensored life that you have for us. As we say yes to receiving further instructions, our hearts are open. No more red pen. Our hearts are open. Speak to us this week as we read through the first chapter of the book of Acts. Speak to us as we sit and we're curious about the things that we're reading. We thank you. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said, amen and amen. We'll see you next week.